Welcome to the Business of Technology podcast, episode number three, for Thursday, November 21st, 2014. I'm Ken Rimple. Today, our guest is Anita Garamello Andrews, VP of Client Analytics Services at RJ Metrics. The topic? Using data to inform your market research and to help make better business decisions. Tracy Wilson-Rossman and I ask her about how to approach data analytics today, now that vast stores of data are available at our fingertips. We discuss terms like big data, data scientist, and how it's not always about 100% accuracy or about querying all of the data, but of the quality and relevance of the data you choose, and about having an understanding of what the data represents that matters the most. Business of Technology podcast is brought to you by Chariot Solutions Education Services. Now bringing you training in AngularJS, a new and exciting JavaScript framework for building single-page web applications. See our course offerings that include AngularJS, Spring, Scala, Hadoop, Android, and more at chariotsolutions.com education. And by Hadle. Ask, answer, and rate answers to your company's questions. It's like a private stack overflow for your company. Details at Hadle.com. That's H-A-Y-D-L-E.com. to the Chariot Business of Technology podcast. Good afternoon. For our audience, why don't you uh, introduce yourself and kind of tell them about your background? So I've been at RJ Metrics for just a few months, um, and we could talk a little bit more about what we do here at RJ Metrics a little later. Um, uh, before this, I had my own company, Sapita, uh, which was an analytics and optimization services firm that um, had clients from startups to large companies like Zynga, um, and we were really focused on figuring out how how to capture the right data, how to figure out what it was telling us, and then more, more importantly, what to do based on that. Um, and previous to that, I was VP of e-commerce at Nutrisystem. And, and in another lifetime, even before that, I ran product and marketing for various uh, startups in San Francisco, uh, some of which were acquired. Okay, so the topic today with you is analytics. Um, so, you know, people think of analytics these days, they're probably thinking of things like, you know, Google Analytics and things like that, or, you know, back 10 years ago, it might have been, you know, log files. Um, so can we do kind of a brief history from you, what you've seen of how analytics has kind of grown? Sure. I mean, I think, you know, and I'm going to certainly have a, a web-based business um, or internet technology company type of perspective, because that's where, you know, my experience largely is. I think when we first sort of started out with this, let's say kind of in the early parts of the 2000s, um, 
we were sort of highly focused on getting just just starting to store some data and then in, a, in, in something that I like, figuring out how to kind of use that data to make really small decisions, um, small but impactful decisions on web pages. Things like A-B testing were, were really big and you would see major websites go through lots and lots of website redesigns to kind of figure out what converted the best. I think what's happened over time is that, you know, appropriately, businesses across a wide range of industries have figured out that data can be useful for, for optimizing all kinds of metrics in your business, whether that's cost of goods sold or margins or, I mean, any of those things. And so, uh, and with the confluence of sort of cheaper data storage in the cloud and, and, and not even in the cloud, just hardware being cheaper, what we've seen is this almost fascination, dare I say, addiction with storing lots and lots of data. Um, and that has led to a, I would almost call self-generated problem of how do I manage that data, both from a technical perspective, but also from a, um, a, a, a leveraging perspective. Um, and so, you know, there's been tools to kind of make some of these things easier and maybe more consistent. Sure, that's kind of where Google Analytics came into play, make things kind of standard and consistent and free for a lot of websites. But now you see a lot of innovation in data warehousing. That's certainly a place where RJ Metrics plays. Um, and, and also kind of companies trying to figure out how to take these wide disparate sources of data and actually make them kind of work together in a manageable way. Um, and that, I think, is, is, is a good thing because we have all this data now. Now people don't know what to do with it um, or even how to get at it. Uh, but I, but I almost think that we're we're almost spending a little bit too much time there as well. What are the biggest challenges right now? You know, you've got all this data. Um, are you able to make decisions based on large amounts of data um, quickly? And how do you approach that now? So I think what's what's important to keep in mind is is the who is trying to do this, right? And I think a lot of it depends upon where you are in your evolution as a company. What a startup or even a sort of you know growth growth phase company is going to be able to do is going to be very different than a large enterprise. So I think the question around what is analytics and, and you know, is it effective? It really depends upon the audience that is trying to answer that question for themselves. I think, you know, at RG Metrics, we work with a lot of um, uh, startup and, and sort of growth, growth phase companies. And yeah, there's a lot of data sets. Um, I mean, it's interesting how many, if you think about the fact that you're doing advertising, that you've got your website data, you've got your transactional data, you've got any number of spreadsheets that are running around on people's computers, that's already, you know, more than a handful source of sources of data. When you move that up the enterprise spectrum, then you're just talking about millions and millions of rows and how, and how do you work with that? I think the key is to con consider this um, in terms of an evolution within your, within your business and think about the fact that you have to keep the momentum up around analytics based on the value that's being generated off of it. So if it becomes a question of working with just a couple of data sets and making a few key decisions and seeing the rewards of those decisions and then expanding your strategy to include additional data sets, or, you know, in the case of a large enterprise with, with forget millions of rows, billions of rows um, of data, then the question becomes not how do you define the sort of complex, uh, you know, ETL uh, model that allows you to sort of take in all of this data, transform it, and work with it, but rather maybe there are smaller solutions that, 
um, allow you to sort of work with subsets of that and again gain momentum gain access to you know budgets to be able to do bigger and better things with it and we see that model of starting small which small doesn't mean small and impact small means in terms of how many problems with respect to analytics you're trying to solve all at once um, uh, that, that that strategy and, uh, and, and approach is working well. And, you know, I'd like to say at this juncture that I think it's time um, that we kind of move beyond thinking of analytics as purely the getting the data in and, and sort of working with it to make it reportable. It, it really needs to be in terms of um, doing all those things because you have to do those things, but, but really having that mindset towards um, what, what insights are you delivering from it and what, are you, what actions are you taking in your business from, from that. So as you're trying to figure out what actions you should be taking, um, how do you take into account what is actually doable from the financial standpoint or from a company impact standpoint? That's a great question. Um, I am, and I like the way that you asked that question because it, it, it really models how um, we tend to – so let me take a second here to just give you a little bit of my, my role and perspective from RJ and why that, that drives to the, the, uh, the question that you asked. So – being the VP of Client Analytic Services here, I'm focused on helping our clients from a services standpoint. We obviously have a software product, but from a services standpoint, figure out what their data is telling them to do specifically in their business, um, what tactical changes to make. So the reason I love the way you asked that question is because I, you know, one of the things that I do right away with our prospective clients is say, what levers could we pull? How big is your marketing team? How big is your financial an analysis or just plain analyst, uh, analyst uh, team? A lot of our clients don't have very many people on these teams. What other vendors do you work with? How many dev resources do you actually have for being able to execute some of the changes that we might come up with? Once I understand that lay of the land, that actually drives the analytics strategy that we might take forward, right? So we might say, you know what, with that kind of a, a team set, let's not try to go and get you know, X, Y, Z set of sources of data. Let's really focus on the things that are easy to port in, that are highly likely to have um, good data quality, et cetera, and, and focus on taking actions in that sphere. And so I think it's important to take into account what you are going to actually be able to uh, do from a, from, a, from a people and financial resources standpoint before you actually come up with your analytic strategy. Yeah, because I think there's so much data that's out there and there's so much that you can take advantage of that you almost get to be like a deer in the headlights of like, yeah. where do you get started? Um, so I think that that's another uh, place. Where do you think uh, analytics can have the most impact? Which industries do you th are you seeing the most impact? So it's kind of funny, right? So people, and even my, you know, typical answer might be, well, a web-enabled business and internet technology, e-commerce, et cetera. Those are all certainly true. Um, but it's almost that it's a, it's a truism now. I think it's important to have a wide, um, a wide-eyed uh, and, and earnest perspective upon where analytics could have an impact. I mean, we're just coming off of the heels of a, of a presidential election last year that was, in some ways, highly determined by the usage of data. There's been some great articles about the, the analytics team on the Obama campaign. And regardless of, you know, what your politics are, the, the, the lesson there is in the fact that, you know, a very vast enterprise, a presidential you know, campaign was able to leverage data to, 
to maximize their numbers. They really focused on, you know, the marketing tactics of email and, and, and that sort of thing, but pulling data in for those purposes. And the way they did that is not by taking, you know, years to build out a complex analytics uh, framework, but rather by, by pulling in the right data sources um, in a relatively minimal way. Um, and just trying a bunch of stuff, figuring out what works, and, and using that data to uh, drive forward their decision making. I read about probably some of the same articles you did early on, <clears throat> and um, the interesting things I found were, you know, they were not afraid to fail. Let's try having people tell their stories. You know, so there's a box that they, people could tell their stories, and you know, one of the things they were doing is encoding that information, looking for keywords, and finding out who was interested in what topics. So when time came for people to try to get leaders or to canvas or to find people that are very passionate about a particular interest, they had an idea who they would market to for that particular cause. And based on frequency of things like that, look who the leaders would be. That's exactly right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, I think the key here is being okay um, with not having a complete picture um, and not having like the most, I mean, I have a, a mathematics background myself, it might be strange to say this, but you know, it's okay to not have the most sort of statistically valid end-to-end 360 degree view model that drives your decision making. I was on a, a call with a, a client the other day and we were sort of talking about ways that we might be able to help with them. And, and he talked about how, you know, a big driver for them is email marketing there in e-commerce business. And I asked him if he's doing any sort of targeting or segmentation and personalization within that. And and he said, no, I know we should be, or in the context of what we're talking about, he wasn't doing that. He says, no, I should be, but, you know, we don't have the resources to go do that right now. And I said, is that because you're trying to think about, you know, well, if customers bought this product, then go do this and, and, and sort of have this really tight, well thought out model. And he says, yes, and that, that's going to, you know, take a lot of resources to execute. And I said, absolutely. Would you be amenable to if we sort of just found a couple of things that might work? that may even sort of deliver enough value to justify the resources, but, but don't solve the end-to-end -end kind of what, for, for every type of customer, what is the right personalization? Would you be open to that? And he said, oh, yeah, you know, I never thought about it that way. And, and the reality is when we go to make those recommendations to him, we're not going to look at the totality of the data. We're not going to understand what the right implementation framework is going to be for the long term. We're looking to get him to the next level of his business, and I think that has to be part of the calculus here. What do you think about the term as we're talking about that? What do you think about the term big data? I don't like it. In fact, I think <laughs> I, I think I gave a, um, a talk. At, I think that might have even been part of my talk at ETE. Yeah, I mean, and you, it's funny. I just read an article from a, a great analytics uh, team the other day about how they're using this term little big data now. To sort <laughs> of, uh, and I said, that's great. I, you know, my feeling is, if I could have one column of data that allowed me to double my revenue, do I really care how much other data I have? Um, so I, I don't care how many columns of data went into, um, you know, allowing me to improve my business. I really shouldn't care about how beautiful and complex and optimized the systems are, except towards the end of increasing whatever KPI we're talking about. So I think the problem with big data is, you know, uh, in so many ways, particularly in the American society, um, we, we are fascinated with bigger is better, but that's, you know, generally not true. It means, you know, more, more data, more problems. Um, so I'm not a big fan of it. 
So you just won a lot of fans here at Chariot Solutions. <laughs> that is an ongoing discussion here. I'm not going to bring up the word data scientist. We'll move on. Um. Uh, yeah. So that Let's actually, that. that that right. brings up another, I mean, big data, uh, we, we run through a lot of um, different flavor of the day uh, buzzwords. Where do you think um, in the future, like, is this a buzzword or do you see this sticking? By this, you mean big data? Big data. Well, not big data, but data and data analytics and the use of data to increase your business. I mean, big data is the buzzword, but I think right. in general, you know, we've been down the path with so many buzzwords. Big data is definitely, and data analytics is definitely the buzzword. You see that in tons of um, journals. You see it in the Wall Street Journal just about twice, two to three times a week. Um, so, do you see this lasting um, or is this something that companies are just playing with right now and it is not going to, to stick because they don't know what to do with it? Yeah. I mean, I think that the term itself may have, you know, or the phrase, I guess, may itself evolve over time. But, you know, the, our sort of desire from a human cognition standpoint is to have, a, you know, a word or two that allows us to understand a bigger concept or sort of a multitude of concepts. So I think, you know, I think it will stick around. I think the collection of data is only going to grow. I think that that, you know, boat has left the dock. Mm -hmm. I, what I, what I'm hoping, um, is that what people will spend more time focusing on is, um, just the underlying mechanic of what we're talking about here. We're talking about getting data in, making it viewable. And, and actually I should back up and say, we're, we're, we really should be talking about getting the right data. Yeah, in. exactly. Um, right. Right. right? Yeah. And then, you know, from there, making that data uh, viewable in, in ways that are, you know, easy and, and reduce cognitive load. And then, you know, most importantly, reducing the time from those two steps to actionability, right? Like, that's where I'd like, where, where I think, um, you know, the, the, the real key is for the future. I don't think that big data or just data is going to go away. It's just going to increase. Um, but, I'd, but I'm hopeful that what we'll move towards is kind of that actionability piece of it and, and reducing time to actionability. Right. I, I, I tend to wonder about that whole, you know, movement. Actually, you know, we, we had a, the, a big data event actually last December and we were talking to, um, I think it was the, the C, what is it? What's the term? The one in Philadelphia that uh, Friedman, what's his term? Like yeah, Mark his Head. Mark Head. That's who I'm thinking of. So it's a Mark Head. From He's Phil chief data officer. She's chief data officer for Philadelphia. And he was uh -huh. talking about, you know, and I think it's a, a useful exercise, which is getting the data in the hands of the people, you know, so people uh -huh. can start doing research and everything. But it kind of brings up the side topic of the cleanliness of data, the, you know, the, the accuracy of data and making decisions based on, as you said, the right data. So where do you see challenges in business around making sure the data is properly cleansed and, and, you know, not duplicate or, you know, and, and even on the other end of it, making sure you're making decisions uh, based on real data that makes sense versus like maybe making a, a correlation and assuming it's the cause of something. Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's kind of two things that come to mind. One is, is understanding that we're talking about correlations um, more often than not. Look, there's really sophisticated software out there for doing predictive analytics, for doing more sort of causal, you know, relationship building type of stuff. But I, I think you have to take it all with a grain of salt and look for, you know, the patterns. But I think at, at, at a level higher than that, the goal here, again, is not about having the most sophisticated system or the, the most accurate model or 
solving the problem in the best way other than to what to me is the most pragmatic way. I define best as pragmatic. Um, and that leads me, and that, and that statement itself leads me to the final thing of saying is, if I, if I have data, data quality that if you could sort of score it from you know, an A to an F, but my data quality is an, a B plus, let's say. And let's face it, most companies, they're, they're, they're hoping for a B plus sort of data quality. But if you can take that B plus data quality and move your KPI forward, it doesn't matter to spend the, the efforts to get to a, the, you know, the A plus. Um, and, and that's my perspective. I know that that can be you know, sort of anathema to a lot of folks. But, you know, we had this the other day. We're sitting on the phone with a client who says, oh, well, you know, I have a base of my customers who um, don't have, you know, certain pieces of data in the system. Um, and, you know, it's really like an hour to two long conversation about how do we get that data in the system. And it really involves the way RJ Metrics works is that we do replications. And so the client would have to make changes on their end and then they would replicate to ours. And then, you know, this data can get bad over time. So would the client have to do it again, et cetera. Um, you know, we, we make things pretty easy to replicate over, but the question becomes on the client side, how, how much effort do they want to put into making sure they're storing the right stuff into their database? And, and when I said, well, what percentage of your customers actually have this, you know, these missing fields? And his answer was like two to three percent. Mm. I, I don't care. <laughs> right. Statistically, it shouldn't matter. Right. Uh, you know, statistically, it shouldn't matter. And you can make the argument that maybe those folks are, you know, your best customers. Let's say they are. But let's say let's say that the other ninety-five to ninety-seven percent of people are also producing revenue, and you can actually—and this was a, a relatively—I mean, they're they're a rapidly growing startup. Let's say that you could actually squeeze, you know, a ton more revenue out of the the base of people for whom you have the proper data for, without worrying about this weird side process to fill in data. Wouldn't you go for that? Wouldn't wouldn't that wouldn't that buy you the time to get to the next level and then think about how to solve some of those problems? Um, and that's that that pragmatism there, um, I think, is has really got to be the focus. And I think that's the whole gold rush that has been gr uh, growing around big data, which is it's going to be, have you figure out the answer, the answer, you know, because you'll right. be able to dig through all this data and you'll be able to make decisions. But remembering that there is a difference between statistically close enough to be a good guesstimate and moving forward and say statistically this means something as opposed yeah. to here's the cause of what your problems are. So it's just it's kind of an interesting uh, area of the field of, of, you know, data analytics that, you know, how people make decisions and what they assume to be the truth is only as good as the data coming in and their understanding of the data and their understanding of, of, of the patterns in the data. That's right. And I think part of this is about knowing what the problems are and whether you decide to take action on them. Right. So if you're a right. large enterprise that has multiple teams that, you know, maybe you've got financial teams and marketing teams and technical teams, all of that. And you're looking for, um, you know, you want to marry up data that's sort of being generated across all of these different, um, you know, teams. Is the, is, the, is the answer coming up with the, the, the sort of really holistic framework that might take a very long time and not to mention a lot of, a lot of money? Or is it saying, let's just base, you know, this particular set of analytics off of this team's data and we know that it's bad because it doesn't take into account, you know, real-time field operations data or whatever. That's okay. We know that. And the question is, should we fix it or should we go, you know, go with what we have? And, and that happens even with, you know, startup enterprises. Do we sort of take what we have, which isn't, you know, there isn't enough transactions to drive, you know, statistically sound uh, um, or statistically valid um, uh, conclusions? Or do we sort of mix a little bit of gut 
with you know, the data that we have and allow us to grow. And I, I think that, that, that being aware of the problem is a, is a very good thing. The sort of doing something about it is often over, over, uh, overestimated. <laughs> I believe that this, this is going to be, um, we're going to have, it, we're going to have you come back later in, well, into next year, because I can't say later into, into this year. Um, this is a huge topic and I think that we only scratch the surface. So uh, we, we definitely will have you back sooner than later. Well, thank you for the opportunity. This was fun. Thanks to Anita for speaking on the Business of Technology podcast. You can find this podcast on our Business of Technology podcast stream on iTunes or downloading it from emergingtech.chariotsolutions.com. Click on the podcast menu and browse the Business of Technology podcast. This is episode three. While you're there, you may be interested in our more technical podcasts, such as the Chariot TechCast, a tech interview show, a conference sessions podcast, and our weekly developer news podcast featuring Chariot's technologists and what we're researching each week. You can also browse videos of our recent conferences, such as Philly Emerging Tech 2013 or our recent Data IO show. All that material is available at emergingtech.chariotsolutions.com. For the Business of Technology podcast, I'm Ken Rimple.